All right, Craig, are you ready? Are you ready? I'm ready. All right, and welcome to the fourth edition of Podcast versus Everyone. Uh, this is Craig Powers of CoogCenter.com and also Twitter.com. Uh, and uh, with me, as always, is Jeff Neusser. Say hello, Jeff. Hello, Jeff. And we're back to where we started. That's right. Everything comes full circle. All right, I'm going to start by saying at the top this week, um, if, if you if you are actually liking this, which I think some of you are because we had our biggest week of downloads by far, yeah. uh, go ahead and subscribe and have it delivered. Give us a nice rating, five stars preferably. If you don't want to give us five stars, just don't give us a rating, um, in my opinion. Uh, but yeah, <laughs> but just remember that we don't care, um, but it, we do appreciate you listening. Um, but anyway, so, uh, Jeff, I, I know you have big news on the beer front this week. Yeah. So on, uh, let's see on Sunday during the Super Bowl, um, I decided to drink, finally drink my, uh, oak aged vanilla worldwide stout from dogfish head. Um, and so for those of you who aren't familiar, obviously it's a, uh, oak aged, uh, you know, so if it's okay, it's going to be, you know, uh, bourbony, a little, little boozy. This one is a, a very large 17%. Um, and that was, that was quite nice to warm my tummy during what was probably the worst football game I've ever seen. And the, <laughs> the non Paul Wolf division. Um, so it was, uh, the big thing about it, I guess that I noticed was, uh, what it was very heavy on the vanilla um so it was quite good the vanilla was was a little overpowering at first but um you know it's kind of one of those you know i mean at 17 percent, i mean it's really more of a sipping beer anyway and uh again like a lot of you know barrel aged stouts as it warmed up um you kind of get some of the other flavors uh the vanilla kind of seemed to mellow out a little bit and uh, it was a it was a delightful beer to drink while I was uh, again watching the worst football game of all time. Do you know if that's did it mention is it aged on vanilla beans or is it aged like with vanilla extract or could you, you tell know, I, based on the flavor? I yeah I could not tell and and so I don't drink you know I'm not uh, I don't have quite the same experience that you do particularly with like big beers. Uh, mostly because I was too cheap to justify the expense of spending on big beers, <laughs> so I don't I don't quite have uh, the same kind of the same kind of uh, of, of palate as you do. So, um, but yeah, it was it was good. It, it was excellent. I don't know. Let me see while you're while you're talking about your beer. Let me look it up and see if I can find out how it how it was brewed. Do you have a uh, Do you have a Gardner Mintry rating on that beer? Oh man, I didn't think in advance of my. I'm gonna have to think about that. Okay, you you go and I'll come back. Just such lack of preparation, which is perfect. I know, I know, it's perfect um, for us. So yeah, um, I have a beer I've been kind of uh, had in the in the chamber since we started this thing. Uh, it's a beer I picked up in San Antonio when I was down for the Alamo Bowl. Uh, so I actually highlighted this brewery on. Uh, it wasn't the beer of the game for Baxter's Beer of the Game, but it was a brewery that I suggested that people check out. Um, I was going to do a beer from them, but I didn't have any uh, left from the last time I went to San Antonio. Um, it's Weathered Souls Brewery in San Antonio. Um, it's an excellent brewery. Um, as in, in my experience with uh, 
San Antonio beer, probably the best brewery around there. Probably one of the best breweries in Texas, um, which is actually, you know, you may laugh at, but there's quite a few good ones in Texas these days. Uh, they have a real good scene um, going on, uh, building. Um, but uh, uh, Weathered Souls, so this beer is called Barrel-Aged Peanut Butter No Jelly. So it's a, it's a, it's a big-ass 13.8% barrel-aged stout with um, what I'm guessing is like uh, peanut butter dust or something to, to, to kind of uh, give it that peanut butter flavor. Um, it's, it's quite nice. I actually was uh, lucky enough to have it on at the brewery. Um, and they, they had they had a bunch of uh, barrel aged stuff and um, I I've, I had a, I have a friend that lives in San Antonio and he had um, introduced me to the brewer the last time we went we shared some beers and so again I brought some beer down and uh, we kind of shared some beers from the Northwest and then he kind of was just busting out his beers they tapped a beer that they had yet to release and uh, that was phenomenal it was this coconut uh, double barreled stout. Um, uh, but this one is excellent as well. I brought him a crowler of an interesting thing about their crowlers. Uh, he doesn't believe that anyone wants to have, uh, 32 ounces, uh, of the beer. So he, they have 16 ounce crowlers. So they just look like your regular tall boy can. Um, I, I probably waited a little too long on this crowler cause some of the, uh, carbonation has went, uh, went off. Although I did see they purge their crowlers and they do it right. But, but yeah, it's, it, it, it's still, even with the lower carbonation, it's an excellent beer. Um, uh, and uh, they're, they're an excellent brewer. Uh, kind of interesting factoid, uh, Marcus, their head brewer, is excellent. Um, uh, knows, knows what he's doing. He's also African-American, uh, which in talking to some of my other brewer friends, they hear at you know, conferences and stuff, which is less than 1% of craft brewers are African-American. So it's a pretty unique thing. Um, and his assistant brewer is uh, African-American as well. So it's kind of a cool thing to see. Um, and uh, just they're doing great stuff, which is even better. I've had some of their sours, some of their other barrel-aged stuff. Uh, that double-barrel beer, um, he actually gave me a bottle of it, um, I'll say, for a fancy day because it was phenomenal. Uh, this beer is great as well. He's cranking out, you know, all the all the trendy beers, the hazy IPAs. He's cranking out uh, uh, the, the fruited uh kettle sours and, and and then the long oak age showers and everything um the I, west coast ipa is regular you know esbs he's just doing everything um and from what i've had from them just an all-around excellent brewery it was a good experience uh i met some friends there there was actually a coog center reader who brought his family um uh after i had mentioned them on on uh baxter's beer of the game so that was really cool to meet him um and uh maybe he's listening right now um shout out um but yeah it's a uh, yeah it's just all around good brewery um and this beer is i would say it's like <clears throat> not the best beer i've had from them but it's definitely an excellent beer um i definitely have to pick a gardner Minshew play from the alamo bowl and uh so i'll probably say uh um, probably that, that little uh, shovel pass that he did in the fourth quarter on the final drive. It wasn't one of his touchdowns, it probably, it, but it was just a it was a quintessential like Gardner Minshew play. And this is kind of a just right 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 along the lines of what I expect from this brewery. Just really well done quality beer. And and you know he had scrambled scrambled out of a sack and then just pitched it, kind of ad libbed it to uh, Tay Martin and picked up a huge first down, set him up the next play 
Borgie ran it in for uh, what what was essentially the clinching touchdown. Um, and so, yeah, that w- that's my Gartner Minshew play for this Weathered Souls Barrel-Aged Peanut Butter No Jelly. So you're not going to believe this, but that was the play that I started thinking of for mine. And here's so here was how I was going to like here's how I was going to use it. I was like, okay, so this beer was like 17 percent and it didn't take me very long to start feeling a little, you know, a little a little a little good, you know. And uh, so I'm thinking, okay, by by the time I was done with it, I was, you know, I wasn't quite stumbling around drunk, but I was like, you know, I was feeling pretty good. So then I started thinking like, all right, well, I'm thinking of a Gardner Minshew play where he's just sort of like stumbling around and, (laughs) you know, whatever. So maybe I'll switch to the, uh, to the touchdown in the Alamo bowl where he kind of escaped a sack and then stumbled into the end zone. I think I'll go with that one instead because that one's still kind of in the same vein. And then at least on that one, he ends up on his ass so um that's probably pretty close to what i experienced <laughs> excellent this one is 13 like i said 13.8 percent, and i'm drinking the whole 16 ounce can of it so Attaboy. i'll be feeling pretty good by the end of this podcast boy. anybody who sticks around to the end is definitely going to get paid off on that one <laughs> um yeah so uh uh, we'll move on to be talking about some some WSU, and it is, well, as we're recording this, National Signing Day, um, and uh, the WSU recruiting class is all but wrapped up at this point. Uh, not quite the luster that National Signing Day has had in the past, uh, the second year of this um, early signing period in December, where uh, you know basically 85% of your recruits are signing at this point. Um, so National Science Day in February is more of a kind of, you know, fin- polishing off your class. Uh, I think most teams are adding, you know, three to five guys maybe today. There was a cool, a couple big gets. I know you got a big four-star guy and, and, and you yeah, saw there. Yeah, screw them. Yeah, screw them. What's a four-star? I don't even know what that is. Yeah, um, we don't need no four-stars. <laughs> uh, we do more with less at Washington State. Yeah. I, yeah, I could use a four star, maybe in the Apple Cup once in a while, but okay, um, maybe like one, eh, maybe like one. I I guess like <laughs> one would be okay. Yeah, uh, Gabe Marks was a four star. We could we could yeah yeah he turned out okay yeah, but yeah um you know, Thomas Toki four star just a great yeah. one <laughs> yeah he didn't turn out so great <laughs> along with uh, let's see Randy Estes and Terry Mixon yeah. Yeah. Just, oh, just we've had some great ones. Yeah, Michael Bumpus was a four star. That hey, I want to say, uh, wasn't like Andy Madden really a four star? He might have been. I'm not sure. Jerome Harrison was. I know that. That one. I mean, that, he definitely was. He was a five star in in, in the end. He was uh, like five million stars. He was yeah. a six star. All the stars. Uh, All the stars. A little off topic, but you know, I was watching. Uh, they were playing uh, uh, the. The WSU Arizona, the Geyser fumble game uh, uh-huh. from 2004 on uh, Pac-12 Network uh, a month back or so, and it was early in that year, 2004 uh, was Harrison's first year of the two that he was with WSU, and he was in like a rotation at that point right. uh, yeah. with a couple other guys, and but in that game, you like he has the ball, he's, he, you just knowing what you know now you say when he gets the ball you're like this dude is clearly more talented than the other guys 
Like, why isn't he touching the ball more? Then by the end of the season, he's a feature back. I think he ran for like 140 yards against UCLA or something. But, but, but like, and then the next year, uh, he explodes. But it's just kind of crazy to think like, why why wasn't he getting all those carries? Like, like he should have ran for 1500 yards his first year, you know? Yeah, I mean, I think there was some thought that, um, you know, I mean, back then, and and we like say back then, it's like, you know, whatever, 15 years ago. But, um, you know, running backs tended to be thought of, I think, in kind of more, uh, you know, kind of more stereotypical roles, right? You'd, you know, your first and second down guy was a bigger dude who, you know, could sort of hammer it up in there. And then you had your third down back who was more of a, catch the ball out of the backfield and, and kind of a shifty guy and Harrison, you know, obviously fit that mold in, in, you know, really just kind of every physical way. Right. I mean, he was smallish yeah. and um, shifty and explosive and kind of all the things, you know, you'd want a guy to be when he gets in space and, you know, and then all of a sudden, you know, you start handing him the ball in, in normal situations and it's like, Oh wait, he's really good at that. And oh wait, he's really good at that too. And he's really good at Oh everything. wow. He's like good at everything. Like, like maybe we can hand him the ball more than, you know, yeah. 10 times a game. All right. Well, maybe we can hand him the ball 20. All right. Well, I don't know. Well, shit, let's give him the ball 30 times and see yeah. what he does. Let's go. You know, so. Well, you know, um, it's funny. His uh, coming to his senior year in 2005, uh, the Daily Evergreen in their preview had an interview with him and, and they had like him and the five offensive linemen on like the cover of the football preview. And he said like, oh, you know, I'm going to run for 1800 yards this year. I'm thinking if he runs for 1,800 yards, we're gonna go into the Rose Bowl, man. Like, <laughs> yeah, right. He ran for 1,900. <laughs> right. And the, the team did not go to the Rose Bowl. Man, if you, so, <laughs> if you look at that team, like we've uh, we've talked about Bill C a lot. You look at that team, uh, Bill Bill Connolly's uh, uh, ratings. Um, he 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 posted some 2004 ones recently, and they were like top 20. They're like top 25 in his ratings. <laughs> at four and seven and but if you look at the schedule man there like there's so many tough losses that year like yep. overtime yep. to like number six ucla like all like yep. like you know tough like close loss to oregon i i remember just that that year in martin stadium as a student just being like painful painful it was just like just every game was like a close loss you know but uh um, yeah uh such Welcome as to life you're fandom yard back and you uh, in one Pac-12 game. <laughs> yeah. All right. So just like real quick for for discussion's sake. So here are here are the all-time top ten rated recruits uh, signed by Washington State. Okay. So are you ready for this? Yep. So since you were kind of wondering, you know, wasn't this guy a four-star or whatever? Okay. So Washington State has signed zero five-star recruits in its history, which is. Not a surprise, right? I think one service um, gave Mixon a five star, but yeah, that that's that's a, possible on, on a whole. Yeah, it's possible. Um, okay, so number one all-time recruit is Bumpus, Michael Bumpus, who uh, fans might remember was supposed to go to USC, and then USC tried to pull some shenanigans with him, and he said, "Fine, I'll go to Washington State, you idiots." Yeah. And uh, and then you know the rest is history there. Uh, number two is Gabe Marks. Gabe Marks actually the number two recruit, um, number two rated recruit in our history. Number three, Jermaine Green, mm-hmm. also a four star. Yes, played uh, an important role in that 2003 team. Uh, Terry was, Mixon. He, he should have been on. The, he was on that 2004 team too, right? And but he yep. just didn't play. Didn't play much. Yep. 
yeah, well, you know, it's uh, Jerome Harrison. Yep. So uh, number four rated recruit, Terry Mixon, who was, uh, what did they say? What did, what did Bill Doba say? He was like two cheeseburgers <laughs> short of a, of a something. I don't even remember how, what he said, but basically. Was it that, was, of, a, of a middle linebacker? A couple of Big Macs or something. Yeah, yeah, that's, I think that's what it was, right? Because he was supposed to be a safety. He was a couple of Big Macs short of a middle linebacker or something like that. Back, back when LeVon Kirkland was playing middle linebacker. Yeah. Oh. Right. He definitely. So his uh, recruiting profile says he was six one two hundred. He definitely was not six one two hundred when he came to Wazoo. No. Uh, Randy Estes, six two two hundred, four star recruit. Randy, yeah. heck of an impact that guy had. Yeah. Um, let's see. Do 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 do. Thomas Toki. There we go. Thomas Toki, number six, uh, playing at Arkansas State now. After all that, uh, Sammy Moore. Sammy Moore, the number seven recruit, was a four star. He barely gets Which, in under there, under the, like, the, what year was he recruited? What oh, year? He 2000, 2002. Yeah, he was uh, a JC was, guy, 2002. Right, yeah. Yep, and his uh, his most significant contribution was a, a kick return in the Holiday Bowl, right? Um, Jesse Taylor, tight end Jesse Taylor was a four-star. I bet you didn't remember that. No. No. <laughs> and then, uh, let's see, Jerome Harrison, number nine, is a four-star recruit. And then uh, number 10, four-star recruit, Jonathan Smith. Jonathan Smith came in in the same class as uh, Jesse Taylor and Sammy Moore. and The running back? These guys. Yeah, yeah, I he remember was, he him. He was big on that 2003 team. I think. Yep, he was, a little, he was a little dude who was fast. Yeah, he had some touchdowns. And, uh, he had quite a few touchdowns and quite a few yep. yards. And let's yeah. see, number 11 overall recruit was Andy Roof. Oh. Really? Four stars at beating people up. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, let's see, number 12, Tyler Brugman was a four-star recruit. Yeah. So let's just, for let's, let's think about this. Like, so um, <laughs> what's our hit rate on this? So we, we have guys that were very, very good. We're Bumpus, yeah. uh, Marks, Harrison. Guys that were good were Moore and uh, Smith. And then, so like, okay, so we've signed 15 four-star recruits, all right? And the other ones that I didn't mention, Roderick Fisher, Jameer Calvin, Cameron Cooper. Okay, so there's the other three, and those guys are all still, jury's still out on those guys, right? Yeah. So if we throw them into like categories of like superstar, okay, so like superstars would be Bumpus, Gabe Marks, uh, obviously Jerome Harrison, that's that's probably it, right? Yeah, I don't think more is on that level of those guys. No. So then we go, okay, so next level would be, you know, like very good, right? Like, you know, li- lived up to the hype in the sense that they became a very productive college player. So Jermaine Green would fit into that category. Um, I don't Sammy know Moore. if Sam – Yeah, I, mean, I don't know. Take returns for touchdowns, I think. Yeah, you know, consistency he was, was kind of – Yeah, he was definitely wasn't consistent. Like – Yeah. I mean, it's a JC four-star, though. It's, like, kind of... Right. And you almost never see JC four-stars anymore. Yeah. could just be the way that they, uh, that they you know, evaluate them or whatever. But, but yeah, you don't see that very often anymore. And then you've got... Then you got your busts. <laughs> well, Jonathan <laughs> Smith, I'd say. Jonathan Smith and Sammy Moore are probably not a bust, but... No, they're, they're probably in the solid... They had some production. Yeah, they, and maybe they weren't, like they weren't probably four-star four level. Star yeah, yeah, 
not a four star level, but they're but then everyone else, it's like a lot a lot of guys that didn't even make it to school. I mean, what do you say Jameer Calvin was in there? Yeah, Jameer Calvin's a four star. So so far, so good on him. I mean not I mean, a, yeah, you took him his first two years as a freshman and a sophomore, like he yeah. definitely had four star talent like right away. Like that's yeah. a that's a guy that comes in and can play that well, that's what you expect right. out of a four star wide out. Like Yep. Yeah. Yep. And I mean I don't know what uh, I don't know what his stats say, but um you know, his his production I would think is probably pretty similar. And I know they played different positions, but but probably pretty similar to Gabe Marks in terms of production. You yeah. know, the first couple years, I would think. So Yep. Yep. And then, you know, so outright busts, you're talking Brugman, Roof, uh, Toki, Estes, Mixon. So like about one third bust rates about it, it works out to about one third, one third, one third so far, where it's kind of like, you know, one third turned out to be really good. One third turned out to be OK. And one third turned out to be nothing. Yeah. So, yeah, sounds about right. And then, of course, jury's still out on Roderick Fisher and Cam and Cooper. And, you know, who knows if Cooper can can compete. Should we talk about the quarterback situation? Yeah. Next, I want, or, one more thing you, I want to ask you. How are you feeling about that? One yeah, more thing ahead. I want to ask you. So do you think our four-star bust rate might be a little higher because sometimes the four-star guys that we're taking are maybe coming with some risk? Yeah, you know, maybe it's possible. I mean, I, you know, I assume that's the case. That was the case with Mixon. Um, Estes, you know, I don't, I don't really know that much about, I don't remember that much about that case. I'm sure some, uh, some listener will, will remind me kind of all that, all the, but, it, but I think but yeah, you say the older they, stuff, like, I think the evaluation might, valuations might be better now than they were. I think they're 60, way 17 years ago. So, yeah, I think there's, there's just more information. And then, you know, a lot of these kids are going to combines and, and right. camps now where, you know, back in back in those days, you would just go to the school camps and that was all. And so you would go to these school camps and it basically amounted to a tryout. Right. And uh, the summer camp at, you know, UW or whatever, and you'd go and basically you're auditioning for a scholarship. Um, now you've got there's so much more exposure with huddle. Well, like a perfect example is, uh, you know, FOTU, right? FOTU, Leitao, yeah. Leitao, however you pronounce it. But um, the the player who you know, went viral after, you know, blowing up everyone and everything out at, uh, out at Stellicum. And uh, of course he, you know, tragically died in a car accident, yeah. uh, it's past off season, but, um, you know, that's the kind of guy that Wazoo in the past could have landed, you know, the Cougs were on him and they really wanted him. And then all of a sudden his, this film gets out and everybody sees it. And all of a sudden, you know, he's got an offer from Oregon. He ends up at Oregon. So, you know, it's just not a lot of that anymore. And so, you know, WSU obviously, um, you know, there, there just aren't those secrets anymore. And, you know, the four-star guys, they, uh, you know, that they've gotten a lot of them, you can see kind of came with some risk and, you know, maybe they landed them with, uh, you know, with, with, you know, guys who maybe didn't have as many other options as they might've had, um, otherwise so yeah 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 but you know actually the hit rate was a little higher than i thought like on good like just on yeah on it's not too bad uh, yeah. there's some like i mean there's some all-time wsu players in there like, yeah but uh and there's some all-time funny stories too but 
but yeah, so like you said, the the quarterback situation. Um, you know, obviously Gage Gabrud is uh, he's probably not going to win. A, I don't know. He might win an appeal. It'll be I interesting. So. But I mean, basically, his his appeal is going to be. I played one third of the season because they went to the playoffs and and went all the way to the title game. But uh, I mean, here's the thing: like the fact that they were going after him is a little concerning. Um, a little bit. Because <laughs> uh, last, like, you know, it, it. I, I try to think about it this way: like, they they were um, they were intending on Helinski to be the starting quarterback last year and this year. Right. So maybe they're just bringing in these experienced guys because they thought they would have another guy. But yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure they were hoping that Connor Neville would turn into something, but I mean, right. he doesn't even seem to get mentioned. Nope. <laughs> you know, when it comes to uh, when it comes to the quarterback situation, he doesn't even seem to get mentioned, which is you know, which is a pretty big bummer. So yeah, and and uh, with with Cooper, you know, it's. Uh, I'm trying to believe, like you know, maybe he's not ready. Maybe, uh, maybe he's not uh, like quite the the talent that we thought he was. But uh, this spring will be a big, you know, big thing for him, I think. But um, it's just interesting. Yeah, it'll be his. You know, he had spring last year, and uh, and. well, I guess spring twenty. He's yeah. He'll be a redshirt. Uh, what am I thinking? Redshirt freshman. Yeah. Yeah. So yeah. So yeah. So he said this will be his second spring, and he'll have a fall, an entire fall. So it, it hopefully something will click. You know, it's Leech has run with these fifth year guys before. Yep. I don't know if they've always been. I, Honestly, I don't know from the research and everything, like guys like B.J. Simons and stuff, if they were walk-ons originally. Um, but uh, it, it'll be interesting to see, you know, if, if Cameron's not ready, then it's probably Tinsley or Gordon, and probably Tinsley, because he seemed like he was a leg up this year. Um, I mean, in his limited time, he he was basically playing against backups and blowouts, so it's kind of hard to get a read on like how, and and they were just running safe passes essentially you know their late game running game running out the clock where they're just kind of throwing screens and a lot of stuff like that so it's kind of like it's hard to get a read from like the game time but you know with with the talent he had he would have he won't I wouldn't expect like Gardner level production but I think that we our offense would be still good yeah i mean (laughs) yeah i you know watching i i'm a pretty firm believer that you can actually get a pretty good sense of how i i don't think you can get a sense of like a like a guy's ceiling um when you watch a quarterback play in in the spring game um but i think you can get a pretty good sense of their grasp on the offense and you know like I, i mean i even go back to like um you know, Leach's first spring game and Jeff Toole and Connor Halliday were both just train wrecks in that game. And I remember it was windy that day as it always seems to be up there at Albi. But, um, 
you know, it was really windy and people were like, oh, well, you know, it was windy. It was hard to throw the ball. Okay, whatever. Well, then, you know, the fall comes around and, and no, they both like are not good, right, in the air raid until until Jeff Tool's magical fourth quarter, right? So, you know, I think – and then um, a couple of years later, you got, you know, Tyler Brugman who comes in and you watch him and you're just like, holy crap, man, that kid doesn't have a clue what he's doing out there. Um and so I, I think you can kind of get a sense of that just by watching, I, you know, like I said, I don't know that it gives you a good sense of a guy's ceiling because it's not really live reps. It's not re you know, you're not really pushing the ball downfield, you know, the kinds of throws that maybe you need to make, um, you know, against USC or Utah or whatever. Um, you're not making necessarily making those throws in a spring game. Right. So, you know, I don't know that you can get a total sense evaluating a guy watching a spring game. Um, but I think you can get a sense of when a guy's like not ready. And, you know, so like when we watched, you know, last year, Cam and Cooper, it was like, okay, yeah, he's not ready. Right. You know, he's, he should still be in high school right now. You're watching him. Um, one moment he makes kind of a brilliant throw, squeezing it in between a couple guys, you know, the next minute he throws a really stupid pass and you know, whatever. So, you know, I'm he's one, you know, you were, you were just talking about him. I'm curious to see, whether he looks to have more command um, this spring. But then as I think back to last spring, you know, watching Tinsley and Gordon, I mean, um, Gordon seemed, and again, it's totally anecdotal, just thinking off the top of my head, but, you know, Gordon seemed to have a little better arm, um, seemed to be a little less accurate with his throws. Um, Tinsley looked to me like a guy who, um, you know, had pretty good command of the offense, knew what he was doing out there, knew where he wanted to go with the ball. I know he threw it to, it feels like anyway, threw it to Kyle Sweet, about 15 times. Yeah. But uh, I, I don't know. That may not be true. That's just what I remember. And and that day was fuzzy, by the way, because we were tailgating hard. But um, <laughs> yeah, we'll, we'll talk more about the Coug Center spring game tailgate later, which is like the greatest thing because we don't actually have to stress out about a real football game. Anyway, That's from what I remember, Tinsley – What's that? Ensign Pullman this year. <laughs> yes. Oh, God. I'm so excited. Anyway, I just remember Tinsley looked comfortable and confident running the offense. And that's the kind of thing that makes me think, you know, if 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 he's the guy leading it, I'm probably okay with that. I mean, Leach has a long track record, like you said, of, of picking up, you know, having guys like that, plugging them in and having them be, you know, having them be productive. And I don't think it's reasonable to expect, you know, Gardner Minshew production. But then again, we didn't expect Gardner Minshew to have Gardner Minshew production. So, yeah. you know, you just never know. And, and he's going to have a ton of talent around him. Um, he'll be able to rely on a really, really good running back. Um, you know, I, I just think that, you know, he's even if the guy, whoever's picked, isn't, you know, a transcendent talent by any means. Um, I just don't see a lot of reason to think that even without Gabrud in the fold, that we won't be able to find a guy who can competently lead the offense. Yeah. And you, you mentioned how Tinsley just looked like he knew where he wanted to go with the ball and he was going to sweet a lot. Honestly, like we, we saw Falk kind of regress, you know, to the point where he was overthinking things and he wouldn't just take that first read. He wouldn't just, you know, go with the logical place immediately to go with the ball. And we saw Gardner do that more this year where he just hit that quick, you know, hit, hit the guy on the mesh like real quick um, or hit that, just drop, drop to the running back before, you know, in, in time. So they have time to run with the ball rather than like waiting so long that the defense has collapsed already. So if, if Tinsley is going to be a guy like that, where he, you know, um, uh, maybe he's not going to always like 
be looking for that big play, but at least he's moving the chains. Like that's fine. You know, that the, that's going to work. And we have some great talent at wideout and, and at running back that are going to make some guys miss. And, and if it's a little five yard pass, it could be a 25 yard gain. Who knows? Yeah. Yep. I've, I've, you know, I feel comfortable and, um, you know, I, I don't know. Like, I think people want, they, they, when something good happens, they want more of that good thing. Right. Yeah. And so I feel like some of the infatuation with Gabrud is simply just that Minshew was so great yeah. and Tinsley and Gordon are some unknown and Gabrud is kind of a known because he played at Eastern and he, um, and he, once, and he torched us that one time with, you know, Cooper cup and, you know, two other guys who were nearly NFL level receivers. Which, so I'd say last year we didn't have Cooper cup and the other guys, he was like 14 or 36 with three picks. Right. Right. And he just got <laughs> pummeled by our defense for three and a half hours. So, yeah, I mean, I was never one who thought that even, and, and look, he still might show up. I mean, who knows? I mean, yeah, he, he could. You know, the NCAA might change their mind for whatever reason and, you know, whatever. But, you know, if he wins uh, a job, he wins a job. He's the best QB. Leach is not yeah. just handed to him. So, yeah. I mean, I was never of the mind that he was going to walk in there and be the guy from the first day, no matter what, like that was never, I, I just, I didn't see him as that kind of a player. Right. Uh, you know, when I watched Minshew's film, I was like, okay, yeah, yeah, I could, yeah. You know, I could see this guy doing it, you know, and, and, but I don't know. Gabrud, it's not like, I think he's bad. It's just like, I don't, I don't know. I didn't see him as, as someone who was, you know, who was a whole bunch better than, uh, you know, probably going to be, a ton better than everybody on the roster the day he stepped on campus. So, yeah. Yeah. So, um, real quick, let's just do like a one minute of just, uh, your overall impressions as a class. And should we be terrified that it is the 63rd ranked class in the country? Yeah. I, you know, my, somebody asked us that on Twitter and I, I responded, I said, you know, it was solid, um, but unspectacular, right? Like, like uninspiring, you know, there's, there's no, you know, one big recruit to hang your hat on. Um, there's nobody, there's no four stars in the class. You know, it's, if there's anything that's irritating, it's, it's mildly irritating that Utah's got like three, four stars. And I'm right. like, why is Utah cleaning up? Like I want to like, that kind of pisses me off. But, uh, but I mean, you know, I mean, the staff has shown that, and I know it's kind of a different staff now than it was, but you know, Mike Leach has shown that he's really good at, um, identifying guys who can, who can do things and, um, you know, guys who will develop and, you know, that he can win games with classes that, uh, you know, are ranked, right about where this one is. I mean, this one's obviously on the low end for what he's done, but yeah, you know, I mean, he's never had a top 25 class. 40s and 50s is where he's been. Yeah. Yeah, 40s 40s and 50s. You know, this one's in the sixties mostly because, um, you know, they've got two kids in the class who are gray shirts who aren't being factored into the rankings of this class. They've got another kid who is going to, um, Hunter McGinnis, who came to, came to school in the fall. Kook fan has said that he was a blue shirt, so he's taking one of these 25 scholarships, even though he doesn't count against this class, you know? Right. So I think, you know, part of the ranking issue is that you're dealing with, you know, a smaller class anyway, just a little bit. And then, um, and 24 seven, I think rightly so. 
um, weights the four stars and the five stars heavier than the three stars. So it's not a, it's not a strict average ranking. Um, yeah. It gives you kind of bonus points for the four stars and the five stars, which I think is absolutely the right way to go about it. Cause those guys yeah. are the difference makers. Those guys are, you know, the more of those guys you have, the more likely you are to win championships. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so I, I'm totally okay with that. So, you know, I mean, I'm not freaking out about it. Uh, somebody must be because Kook fan wrote like, three pieces today that were all like, you know, like the old Kevin Bacon from animal house where he's going, all is well, you know, all is well, don't worry. Um, you know, I was like, kook fan did like three of those. And so, man, they, somebody must be freaking out, but I'm not. Yep. Uh, and honestly, like our offensive line seems fine. And I think as long as they keep stacking that offensive line, we're we're never gonna be like it seems like we're in Leach's kind of mode he got where it was like seven wins or more every year at, like at, at Texas Tech because we're playing these like weak non-conference schedules although we do have one tough one this year but you know it's kind of like yeah maybe we're just in that mode now where six or seven we have bowl games just because we have this locked in the offensive lines locked in the you know we got guys that have been in the program playing quarterback for four or five years you know so. Uh, you know, it it, it it doesn't seem like, you know, uh, given the off season last year, uh, it, it, this was expected and it probably would have been way worse if they didn't win so many games. So, yep. Yeah. Yeah. But let's, let's move on. Uh, we'll, we won't, we won't dig in too deep into basketball this week, but we got to talk about basketball. Um, <sighs> do we have to? Yes. Uh, because, all right, because, okay. <sighs> Ernie just said something so, so funny this week. Yeah. Um, he tends to do that. So, uh, Vionte Daniels uh, didn't play much on Saturday. Only six minutes. He's our senior guy. Um, we know his limitations, but we also know everyone's limitations on this team. Um, right. Six minutes. And uh, Ernie says basically said the reason he's not playing is because we're better this year. Jeff, are we better this year? We are definitely not better this year. <laughs> <laughs> Here's the thing that got me the most about that quote. Okay, so basically, you know, he says, um, you know, it was it was a question about Daniels and then Carter Skaggs also and, and just kind of why they why they weren't playing. And uh, you know, so he says, you know, hey, we we've we've just, you know, we've added all this talent and we're better this year. And uh, it just sort of cracked me up because I'm like, like what? Like, like okay, like earlier this year, you know, people might remember Vionte Daniels missed four games with a concussion, right? right? And when WC was losing, I think they lost two of those four games or something like that. Um, or maybe it wasn't like that, but anyway, it was something like that. And anyway you know, he was sort of lamenting, oh man, we've just had to deal with these injuries and we just haven't been as good as we want to be because of injuries. And I'm like, well, like, which is it? (laughs) You know, it's like, were you, you know, were you crippled because Vionte Daniels had a concussion or is your team so much better that Vionte Daniels can only get six minutes? So, you know, uh, you know, Ernie says nonsense. I mean, he, he said another nonsense thing in his press conference. I mean, he just, you know, he, when he starts, when he's out of ideas um, is when he starts with the nonsense. Right. right. So like, 
um, you know, sort of the original incarnation of why did WSU lose this time, right? When I did those last year, right. uh, you know, a couple of years before that, when they only won one Pac-12 game, which not so coincidentally was the year that they played in the best version of the Pac-12 in Ernie's five years. Right. Um, he he had one, you know, meeting with the media after a game where he was just like. I, I mean, sort of like unhinged is sort of the best way I can describe it. Not unhinged is like angry or whatever, but more just like just completely not making sense. Like just saying stuff that was like completely crazy. Um, you know, and so last year when we started getting into all the excuses, it was like, yeah, he's just he, he's out of ideas. And we've reached the point now where what have they lost? Nine of 10 or 10 of 11 or something like that. Um He's out of ideas again. And so he's just, you know, so he does a crazy thing like put Vionte Daniels on the bench for six minutes, which, you know, I, as I wrote, you know, in my thing on Monday, I'm like, I'm not here to like go that say that, oh, Vionte Daniels was wrong, you know, that we need, we really need more minutes out of a one dimensional six foot one shooting right. guard, right? Like, it was the that, other it's part. not really what it, the other thing, right? It was, it was the <laughs> other thing. It was like, no, they're not better. Like, just say what it is. Just say we need to get taller. Like, we need to, like, if we're going to have any chance of, of, you know, com, com, competing against these longer teams, we need to get taller on the perimeter. And so I just, you know, chose to play Koontz instead of Daniels. Okay, fine. That makes legitimate sense. Like, don't be like, oh, we're better. Like, like you're not. Everybody knows you're not. Like, yeah, so they're, they're sitting currently crazy. at 229 in the Ken Palm rankings. Far and away the low point in the Ken Palm era for WSU. Yep. Um. There, Worse than Paul Graham. Being the wor- so I'll say in in uh in Ken Bones' final year, they uh they they he was they were in line to be the worst team ever in Ken Palm, and then they like beat number fourteen like ranked on Ken Palm UCLA by eighteen points on Senior Day, like. <laughs> like yeah, and then they 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 ended up raised them know, up like thirty yeah, spots, like thirty Kenpo. spots or something. So, but so they could still do that, but yeah, I don't know. Um, there was some better guys on that team, you know. Uh, but so this week, uh, <laughs> actually, you know what's funny? I I was just looking at the page. I clicked back to the uh, 2014 team. And then I click back to the 2019 team. Uh, our win percentage for Arizona State went from six to seven percent probability of winning. So maybe I should just keep clicking back and forth, and the maybe team will get maybe we should do that. <laughs> but they'll probably just get worse. But every so every Arizona minute State, that goes Arizona, by. Um, pretty much two very much guaranteed L's. In there, uh, the only kind of it'll be, will they lose by more than twenty uh, or less than twenty is kind of the only, you know, wonder there. What do you think in the total the total loss margin is? What's, so they what's the over that, under on the total always, loss? Like margin? it seems like every weekend they really punt one of the games. Yep. Like it, it and uh, so I'm gonna say. Probably, probably at Arizona, I think will be their worst one, and they'll probably lose okay. that one by thirty. And I okay. think they'll lose to Arizona State. Uh, it'll be like seventeen, and so I'll get like a 
let's say 47 points. Okay, over under 47. I will take the over on that. You're going to over. They're going to lose by more. I will take, yeah, I'll take the. I'll take the over. I'll. Right. I'll well, take. Uh, I think it's. I think it's going to be greater than 50. If if we remember, games. We'll, we'll we'll go back and check that, but we probably won't. Yeah, we probably won't. <laughs> anyway, so basketball. Okay, I will say this. I'm just. I'm going to give props to one player. I I was just I was poking around today. And Ahmed Ali. For all of his, you know, limitations when it comes to getting to the free throw line and uh, maybe like, but he in conference play, a 109.5 offensive rating. Yeah, how about that? Player. Yeah. It's amazing what happens with uh, you hit some threes and don't turn the ball over and get a few assists and voila, instant voila. production. Yeah. So, because actually, um, after after the first, he had a terrible uh, first weekend uh, against um, Utah and Colorado, and so uh, and and UW. So he had a terrible start. He barely played against UW, and then and then struggled against Colorado and Utah. But he's actually picked it up. Um, He's had basically he's had a few good games. Stanford, Cal, USC. Oregon, Oregon State. So we'll see how he does on the road against much better competition. Um, the cream of the crop outside of UW in the in the Pac-12. Yeah, that should be exciting. Yeah. Um, so yeah. Uh, so that's uh, that's basketball. Oh, one more thing. They are now projected on Kempom to win ten games. So. <laughs> <laughs> So circling back. So we remember to circle back to that from last we were week. Circle right? back. We were, we were, we are were they going to win more would, games? Than I the think I, team. I said they would, they would hit 11. Uh, they now I'm, I thought that I kind of thought they would uh, trip up USC this weekend when I was uh, saying that. So <laughs> uh, Not when you give up 93 points, 93 points in a 72 possession non overtime game. Oh my gosh. The oh, oh my gosh. They've given up 90 plus points 3 times. 3 times. And these are not high paced like, super fast games that they're playing. No. They give up 92 to Colorado in a 69 possession game. They gave up 90 to Oregon State in a 67 possession game. Like that's a very average length game. If people like if people are like, I know it's hard sometimes to con, you know contextualize these numbers. I'm telling you like 67 is like a slight is like basically an average game, right? Like average average tempo is 68. So 68 is average. So 67 is right there at average, right? They, they are at, they are allowing they are allowing in conference play 1.21 points per possession. That's it's so absurd. The Division One so average insane. is 1.03 or 1.04 points per possession. Uh, oh and in, in conference play, they're allowing 1.2. That's insane. That's that's so bad. That it's so bad. And and we since since the Kenbone since Kenbone took over after Clay graduated or not graduated but left. Uh, we've pretty much been 12th or 11th in, or WSU has pretty much been 12th or 11th in uh, defense in the Pac-12 in conference play every year. 
but this is setting like a new bar and like it's 100 100 and or 321st in adjusted often adjusted defensive efficiency like 321 yeah, I mean, like... defense in like for a a a, 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 a quote unquote power conference school yeah I mean, in Pac-12 play, they're basically like, what, like 15 points worse than an average defense? Yeah. Not like, and not like an average like Pac-12 defense, like an average, yeah, average defense. You're saying Division uh, One defense, like uh, in a like during a game, yeah, because they're 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 18 points worse per 100 possessions. So yeah, about 15 maybe during a regular game. Yeah. Oh my God. Anyway, yeah, it's terrible. It's terrible. Oh, and by the way, okay, so we're still we're still on this. Um, Ernie's press conference, by the way, said, um, and I, I, so full disclosure, I have not actually watched the video. I just saw some tweets about it um, from our friends at Cougar Sports Network. Their recently launched website. Um, give them a little plug. Uh, they covered his his press conference, his media media availability this week and uh, their tweet said this is how they relayed what he said said how will wsu be competitive this upcoming road trip according to coach kent it's a combination of hitting the boards protecting the ball and taking good shots yeah and my response was so we've just given up on even trying defense like like we're just we've just decided we're not even going to try that we're going to be like we've got a rebound we've got to not turn the ball over we've got to take good shots none of which is going to stop the opponents from scoring 1.3 points per possession like they have been which is just anyway hey just so crazy just so our listeners know um wsc basketball is not good i don't if you haven't figured that out by now no um, it's not good both when you look at the record. Oh, another just you know screw it. Let's just keep talking about basketball. Um, we love basketball. So I uh, <laughs> I don't know. If it, so uh, you may have seen uh, uh, today or uh, yesterday. Uh, let me just just digging digging in here. Um, uh, Illinois beat uh, Michigan State at home. Uh, Illinois' record is eight and fifteen. WSU's record is eight and fourteen. This like this shows you the impact of like like if WSU played Illinois' schedule, like what would their record be? Because Illinois, if you look at their schedule, their losses. 79 Georgetown, number three Gonzaga, number 12 Iowa State, number 102 Xavier. 93 Notre Dame, 32, 33, 85. They lost to 170. That sucks. Uh, 45, 68, 6, 24, 11. Like they've just lost to so many good teams. WSU hasn't played any team of that caliber at all. They, they've played, so they've played uh, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7 teams in the top 35. And WSU hasn't played a single one. They also played only five of those games have been against sub 100 teams. So teams ranked in the 200s or 300s. Yeah. They've only played five games. 
WCU has played, let's see, 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13 games <laughs> against teams ranked in the 100s or 200s or 300s. Like, I don't know, man. I don't know. Yeah, <laughs> Yeah, and so poor, poor, uh, poor Illinois is like struggling to this eight and fifteen record. Yeah, you know they're probably going to be around the same like total wins that we are, and it's just like, oh man, like imagine the same deal for actual schedule. (laughs) Oh, I know, like uh, our our good friend Kyle Sherwood, right? Uh, Indiana fan Kyle Sherwood, and and the just the brutal murderers row that. Indiana's been playing lately. Yeah. Although they could be Michigan State, so he's happy now. Well, yeah, so yeah, Indiana is a team that if it if the Big 10 wasn't so brutal, probably could be a tournament team. But the fact that they like they're just not good enough to beat like some of these really good teams, you know? Like they they did right. clip Michigan State, but you know they're they're losing to Michigan and Purdue and like Michigan twice. <laughs> like Nebraska right. is good, Maryland's good. Maryland's like, that's good. What, that's what you got to play, in, and it's not getting any easier. Like the the rest of their schedule, they have their their final their final uh, weekends fine, but like the rest of it is just like they they could end up. You know, uh, Kempom has them as 17, 14, 8, and twelve. Like and they're number forty five right now in his rankings. Yeah. And, I remember it, when the Pac-10 used to be that good. Well, it was like uh, Taylor Rochester and senior year. I was going to say, it was good when we were good like that. Why couldn't it have been bad when we were good? Yeah. T- it's ridiculous. Like, uh, uh, Cal-, Cal Weaver and uh, Derek Lowe could have went like 16-2 and two against this current Pac-12. Like, I know. <laughs> Maybe even better. They, they might have gone undefeated. <laughs> they might have gone undefeated. Who knows? Get a Pac-10, Pac-12 Pac championship. They, they need to pick there. They need to pick when they're good better. Yeah. Yeah. All right. All right. So uh, this is taken. Should we, we make are... fun of the NFL? Yeah, but briefly, because we have already just killed some time. Um, yeah, we have. Uh, so, uh, yeah, this is where we'll tell you to leave because we're going to be liberals and shit. Um, That's right. Yeah, we might offend your delicate sensibilities. But we're, it's just going to be brief this week, just because it's just... So you're, you're watching the NFL, the, the Super Bowl, the Super Bowl, I would say. Um, yeah. Bowel movement. Uh, yep. Wow, what a trash game. But uh, the NFL, to its credit, did probably have one of the better commercials. Uh, that The one when, except for the Goodell part, but... The one when all the Hall of Famers are chucking around and, and young players and shit. That was pretty funny. But anyway, so yep. some of their other commercials and some of their pregame stuff that really promoted their social justice values. <laughs> I don't know. I know you thought, thought that was a little funny. Like, why, why do you why do you think that's funny? Oh my gosh! Like, and it was just so like. It it was it was the most NFL way of doing it too, right? Like it was just like very self-important, and we are very we take this thing very seriously, capital V, capital S, very seriously, right? Like it was just oh my god. So you know, of course you've got 
Um, the one commercial that made me just roll my eyes so hard um, was the little bit that they did where Goodell was um, walking through. And I, and I, you know, you'll have to forgive me because I don't remember what, what exactly it was, but it was like some kind of civil rights museum. Um, and so walking through this civil rights museum with, uh, with Bernice King, right? And, you know, he's, he's looking very serious and concerned as they, you know, and it's like, the NFL is committed to social justice by Roger Goodell walking through a museum. It was just right. like, oh my God, like, like, okay, yeah, this is social justice. And then the other one, of course, was, uh, it showed a bunch of players doing stuff. Oh, look, the NFL is committed to, so and I'm just like, oh my God, like, come on, <laughs> like, we're gonna, you know, look at what all our players are doing for good stuff. And it's like, yeah, that has nothing to do with you. And of course, noticeably absent was, uh, Colin Kaepernick, who of course yeah. not he's not an NFL player right now, so why would he be included? But you know, you want to talk about a guy who has spent you know like like literally millions of dollars out of his own pocket for social justice causes. That's the guy. Anyway, it just was so like the NFL is expert at like co-opting the values of other things, and it, it, in in order to uh, in order to make themselves look better. My class in my you know when I do media studies with my classes, um, you know we talk about these what we call propaganda techniques basically. Yeah. Um, and this is this is pretty classic transfer, right? Like we're trying to get you to associate our product with this other thing that you already have positive feelings for. So, um, you know, it's, Oh, look, you know, social justice. Yeah. Look at us. We're associated with social justice. We're associated with Bernice King. We're associated, you know, and, and that's somehow supposed to rub off on, on our feelings about them. And, um, it just was so like, uh, it made like a turd of a game even worse. Cause I'm just like, Oh, that is so rep- Impulsive. You ran a guy out of the league for his social justice, you know, stance. And it just to now co-opt and then to co-opt the things that other players are doing um, as if you somehow had something to do with that is just right. like, oh, it's well, so annoying. Yeah. And, you know, it's funny. Amanda, my, my girlfriend, was just like uh, watching it and she had that same response. And look, she doesn't follow the NFL that much. Like I was, I made a joke that she probably watches the Patriots more than the Seahawks because they're in the Super Bowl every year. Like and like because she might watch a a Seahawks like one Seahawks game a year, and then she watches like one Patriots game a year. And and but then she she like during one of the game like third quarter they had another commercial and she's like this is this like what is this is disgusting like this this makes me mad like why are they doing this like and and so if. So if, if 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 I assume that someone like her, someone like you and me, are the person they're targeting with that ad, if we're calling bullshit on it, why are you even bothering with it? Because like the like you you're you're more conservative base, like they're gonna they're not gonna care like about your social justice tendencies or whatever, and 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 you know you're trying to reach your your liberal fans or whatever your social justice inclined your social justice warriors or whatever and they're like whatever this is stupid so it seemed like kind of hopefully it was just a big waste of money for them and and i hope that most of the people kind of saw for what it was they probably didn't but <laughs> you know i mean i hope they did it just yeah it was just so blatantly 
uh, self-serving. Oh yeah, like, there was and like I know a, like that's kind of the whole point. But there, still, there was like there was like yeah. one of the shots in one of the commercials was like Goodell and a player, and they were like sitting at some table doing something. Like you don't know what that's they were right, doing. having a very serious conversation. Yeah, it's like okay. <laughs> I think I think it was like justice. supposed to show that they were volunteering or something. I don't know. But well, yeah, and it not was like that like another like kind of propaganda technique I teach is glittering generalities, right? Where it's like, you know, so, you know, the way, the way the kids like, you know, we, we talk about words like freedom, right. And liberty. And it's like, um, what is that? You know, what is exactly, does that mean? What exactly justice. does that look like? Right. Justice. You know, you don't ever have to define it. Right. Cause it's, Oh, everybody thinks it's a good thing. And so I've got some and everybody likes that. And so everybody likes me. Right. And it's so, In some ways, I feel like that's what was done with the whole social justice thing, because it's like, what does social justice really mean? Right. Like, what are we really talking about here? You know, like they didn't say, oh, you know, we have these players working on behalf of cops shooting black kids. Like that's they didn't say that. Right. Right. Instead, they're, oh, we are we are behind social justice, because honestly, who's not? for social justice. (laughs) Right. And so it becomes this glittering generality where it's like, what do they mean by social justice? Who knows? It could be touring a museum. It could be having a very serious conversation with some players. It could, you know, whatever, but we're committed. I I don't know. It just is very, it's, it's so hollow and shallow and uh, you know, and I'm sure there, you know, I know there are players doing some good stuff. You know, I know there are. Um, for the NFL to co-opt it as their own or that somehow they facilitated these things is just like, uh, it's just, it's disgusting. It's disgusting and it, and it irritates me. And I don't know if I didn't like watching the football so much, I'd probably just be like, screw it and not watch the NFL anymore. But I'm a sucker just like everybody else who's listening to this. And so I keep coming back like an idiot. Yep. Yep. We're all idiots. Um, so that's kind of the uh, theme of the show. Yeah, this that that's exactly the theme of the show. We're just a couple idiots, and yep. hundreds, hundreds of you are listening. Well, okay, right. more than a hundred of you are listening. More than a so, hundred of you. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so uh, we were struggling pop culture segment because we're so bad at pop culture that it's hard for us to think about things to talk about in pop culture. So the Super Bowl is pop culture, right? Yeah, uh, yeah, that counts. We don't really talk about the game. It was trash, universally accepted trash, piece of garbage, bullshit, fucking game. Like what? Like oh god, we could have had yeah. Saints Chiefs, man. Jesus, what? I know. Ugh. Even Saints Patriots would have been okay. Like, but the Rams. You know, when Jared Goff's your quarterback, you're gonna get what you got sometimes. Yeah. So. And actually, you know, I, I saw some an interesting thread. Um, I wish I could remember the NFL analysts that had it, but in analyzing that, the Patriots are one of the better teams uh, all all season at uh, defending uh, eleven formations. Uh, so that's yeah, uh, yep. yeah, and 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 uh, um, but they were uh, some and and the, they were some of the worst. They were one of the worst teams at defending twelve formations. Um, but, but, uh, so, uh, that, that is, uh, one back in the backfield or two backs in the backfield, just, uh, for anyone, uh, 12, but, yeah, 12 would be one back, two tight ends. Yeah. One back, two tight ends and, uh, one back, one tight end. 
So it's how many wide receivers you have split out and all that. Um, so uh, basically, uh, but the Rams just basically, what, what Belichick is so good at is adjusting to the opponent. And what McVay is young and, and stubborn and says, no, we're going to do what we did so well all year. And Belichick, once again, just made someone look stupid. Like he made... He made the brightest offensive mind in the in the league look stupid. So, uh, which is amazing. Like yeah. it's like like clockwork, you know. I know he always does it. Like except like except against Doug Peterson and uh, the Eagles and Nick Foles last year. <laughs> that was the one. Even that was. I mean, even that was a bit of a struggle, though, right? Like, yeah. It wasn't like it was, the forty. You know, it wasn't like wasn't... they lit him up, but yeah. But yeah, yeah. so yeah, they, he does it over and over again, and it's frustrating. He's so. Uh, but anyway, so anyways, the commercials though were also maybe uh, kind of overall, yeah, like I, I pretty played it safe. I think a lot of um one one thing that uh, you mentioned that stood out is there was a lot of robots. Oh my god! I hate that robot child thing. That was just creepy and weird and stupid. So and many robots. Like, every ad had a robot for, like, the first, like, half of the game. It was, like, robot after ro- – not even, like, you know, smart speakers or whatever. Like, that was the whole other thing, right? There was, so like, every commercial for, like, the first half of the game had a robot or a smart speaker in it or a robot with a smart speaker. And then, of course, the crying baby, right, that was crying but laughing. Like, uh, I could have done without the the creepy robot baby for sure. That would uh... – um what uh what commercial did you hate the most did i hate the most or that you just Uh, i mean there's this there's this like company i'm not sure what they do which already come on guys you spent five million but they they do a commercial every year i think they like clean stuff or do something and it was just really boring um so good job five million bucks um but i guess you're just doing this so you can get on the list of like worst commercials and then your name gets mentioned so people maybe but i don't know i mean the t the t-mobile ads were pretty dumb too oh yeah uh i thought i just here here, let's be the team old right now so chance the rapper i've listened to some of his music it's good um it's enjoyable but the Chance the Rapper and uh, uh, Backstreet Boys commercial was like, I think it was Cheetos or some chips or Doritos or something. It was just so like poorly edited, like and just like random. Like it was like, I know you only got 30 seconds, but this is like all over the place. And and the, the song doesn't sound as good because you're just like cutting back and forth. But but uh, that was just that one kind of like bothered me just because it was like maybe because I'm old I don't know because I got a kid I'm tired. <laughs> I did like uh, I liked the Washington Post ad I thought that was cool. Yeah. Um. Just I mean you know it's. It, yeah I mean I, I think you put it this way earlier this week when we were chatting online like, um you know at some point you punch back right at mm-hmm. some point you. You just sort of say no, no. This is this is what we do, and this is important. And so, 
Um, you know, and I'm a, I don't know if you are, I think you are, but, um, I'm a Washington post subscriber and, yep, I am. um, yeah. And so, you know, I just, I like, I thought, thought that was cool. I'm like, yeah, you know, that's yeah. Yeah. Stand up and be like, no, we matter. We're awesome. And we're doing a good thing for everybody. So I thought that was great. I yeah. like that. I know you I also liked the, the uh, Microsoft. Yeah. Yeah. The Microsoft ad made me cry. Not to, I'm not ashamed to admit that. Um, and then there was a, uh, there is a Coog, I would tell you, yeah. before, who is on that ad team. So he's quite yeah. proud of it. Yeah. So that part was cool. And then uh, there was one, uh, the ad by Devour. Now, I don't even really know what Devour is, actually. But I do know that they made a commercial that totally played to um, our, our just like lowest common denominator humor by pretending that, um, her porn. husband was into porn. Right. Yeah. And so, uh, so that was, that was funny, not because it was clever or, or super great, but just because that sort of ad will just always make you laugh. That, right? that, was, that was one it's of the It's basically ones potty that... humor and I'm, I'm, I'm always good with potty humor. That was one of the ones that like, uh, because they'll release the commercials before, that I had already seen okay, like, on Twitter. So that kind of ruined it. But yeah, it was funny. You know, it's, it, 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 you know, it, 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 they, they obviously like, you know, they're reaching for that and we all laughed and you know, it was funny. Yep. It, it was definitely yep. lowbrow. Um, and like there's I said, something the to be said for that too though, right? That. Huh? There's something to be said for that too, right? Yeah. Like it's it, like not everything has to be like ultra clever. Like sometimes it's like, you know, it's okay to just like laugh at some, you know, where your mind's in the toilet for a little, a couple minutes, you know? Well, and yeah, and that was like kind of like the NFL commercial with Marshawn and, and everyone like that was just like, it's just funny. It's like physical comedy and right. And like just, you know, easy jokes, but it's still like, it's just fun to see all those players and it's fun to see Marshawn reaching for that cake and falling over and knocking over the cake and football or whatever. So that, that Which was, is a pretty Marshawn thing. Exactly. And then, like, you know, uh, we had Russ, Russ Wilson in there and uh, Richard Sherman in there. And there's, you know, right. some of our recent greats on the Seahawks are in there. So so uh, we're, we're relevant. But um, Yeah. And as far uh, yeah, as we so. know, uh, Russell Wilson and Richard Sherman didn't try to punch each other or anything. Oh, yeah. Exactly. Or maybe yeah. they were never even there. They probably weren't even ever in the room. At the yeah, time. that's probably that's probably true. Yeah. Uh, By the way, I have, I have a question for you. Yeah. Did you did were you as shocked to find out as I was that Coors Light and Miller Light use corn syrup in their beer? No. <laughs> <laughs> I was shocked to find out that Bud Light does not. <laughs> <laughs> Bud Light doesn't. Okay, so it, it was funny though because like when Bud Light started having those commercials a month ago or whatever that were like, we're gonna put the ingredients on it, and I'm like, why? <laughs> like I'm like, doesn't like don't we all sort of have a pretty good well, one, sense the, of what goes into your beer? The ingredient that they use that's kind of weird, um, which is like is the uh, rice. And because yeah. that isn't that's an unmalted grain, and it's used specifically to bump up alcohol without impacting flavor. Like that's okay. Exactly why they do, and it and it creates kind of a clean, like you, it's it's better than using like because corn syrup, 
you're probably going to get a, like a more of an ethanol like flavor from that. But rice, uh, it'll mostly just dry it out without kind of making it the al- alcohol so prevalent. But it's kind of interesting because I thought that just in my experience with the three beers, I've always thought that like Miller Lite and Bud Light taste almost the same and Coors Light is like a little bit different. So it's yeah. interesting to me that uh, that uh, Bud Light's not, maybe they used to, maybe they've changed it, I don't know. But uh, um, but yeah, uh, they use rice, which is not a whole lot better than using corn syrup. So I don't... Oh, but it sounds so much better though. <laughs> yeah. Did you know you're drinking beer with corn syrup in it? And the, then the well, the funny syrup, part is like the, the corn syrup the lobby target... of Twitter gets at them. They're like, oh, oh yeah, oh my god, let me tell you all the corn lobby. Which is like, hey, wait a second. What is? It? I mean, it reminded me of that time. Do you remember when um, the corn lobby tried to run a series of ads extolling the virtues of corn syrup? Do you remember that? Like, yeah. and it was really short lived. It was like because... maybe like a week. Because everybody just like was like, no, this is like bullshit. Like, stop. Like, like don't try to convince us that corn syrup is healthy because it because it comes from a vegetable. You know, it's like it's still not healthy. It also comes from like the least healthy vegetable. Right. It's like (laughs) I mean, it's a vegetable. It's pretty much entirely sugar to begin with. You know, which is why it's good. You know, so like delicious. Yeah, when you're grilling on the barbecue and you you know you throw it on the grill and you get that nice little you know, charred look on it because the sugar's starting to caramelize a little bit. It's perfect. It's or, or great. Or you get that it's just Mexican like, version where they put the chocolate yeah, on it. <laughs> yeah. Don't, just don't try to tell me it's healthy. Like, <laughs> come on, man. Anyway, I don't know. I, I just thought it was funny because like, you know, Coors Light, Miller Light, Bud Light, their target demographic, which I assume is like middle-aged or, or younger people, um, I mean, are these people that really care if corn syrup's in their beer? Yeah, like, is that, like, is that, is that a deciding they're, they're factor? Like down all sorts of processed food during the game. Like, right. like all this food with like corn syrup and high fructose corn syrup in it. Like I, when I went to school, I had a, a friend whose uh, dad was allergic to corn syrup and like he could eat almost nothing. Like we're all eating corn, like all your drinkers right. are eating shit with corn syrup in it. They don't care if there's it. corn syrup in their beer. Yeah. So this is what's funny is like they went from a few years ago, uh, they made that ad of like beer brewed the right way and like they made fun of like craft beer drinkers and stuff. Right. Yeah. But they've realized that that's not like you're not going to shame a craft beer drinker into like, oh, I should stop drinking this stout and I should pick up this uh, adjunct lager. Like you're not <laughs> right. shaming them into like drinking your beer, but you can between the Miller lights and the Bud Light, like those, if, if there's someone that isn't like, like a straight up, like I'm always a Bud Light, always a Coors Light, like guy, you still have right. some way. And so maybe I'm trying, I'm thinking they're probably targeting that younger kind of like educated demographic, like those kids that are in school and you know, who, who like, were like, oh my God, corn syrup is the worst. And and so they're they're just gonna be like, yeah, I'm not drinking Bud Light. It's got or uh, Miller Light. It's got corn syrup in it. So I you, guess you, I mean, but we were all job. drinking Bush Light, right? Like we're like not even like Bud Light was too pricey. We're I going don't know, for Bush. If you want to be fancy, though, I guess. Dude, I got man. the Bud Light pitcher, man. I spent four extra dollars. I know, like I don't know. 
I don't know. It seemed like a weird way. Almost certainly has corn syrup in it. Oh, for sure. But it's like you know, I I I just found it like a really funny way to try and distinguish yourself from a beer that basically tastes. And I guess and I guess that's the trick, right? You're trying to distinguish yourself from another beer that tastes almost exactly the same. To to their credit, like how they have distinguished them, these three beers have distinguished them in the past are just like total nonsense things, which aren't actually distinguished. So like. Um, I think it's Miller Lite that says they're like triple hopped. So right, right. every beer is true. Like almost every beer is triple hopped because, because you throw, you throw hops in right at the start of the boil. And those are your bittering hops. You throw hops in, in the middle and those are your uh, kind of your flavoring hops. And you throw hops in at the end. They're more of your aromatic hops. So like all those beers were doing that. Like when they say they're triple hopped and then uh, you, you'd have Coors Light and they say they're, Cold, cold, cold brewed, cold filtered. No, first of all, you're not cold brewed. Like that's nonsense. That, that's literally impossible. Like, but the beer is as cold as the Rockies. How do they do it? Like you're you're getting no alcohol in it if you're not boiling it. Like it's not happening. But right. But but what they're getting at is they lager. They'll say they cold lager. Well, that's the point of lagering. Lagering right. is at a lower, t- colder temperature than when you make an ale. Like it's it's at a lo- like so. Yes, you make a lager. That's exactly the point. That's like what you're doing. So Bud that's Light doing. and and Miller Light do the same thing. Like so. Right. That's why I give some credit at least to Bud Light in this time is that they're actually pointing out a different ingredient. So it's an actual difference rather than like than like just something. They're just trying to like play on some words and and like make someone think something is unique when it's not at all. By the way, if if you have your choice, if you if you are at a bar and the only thing they have is Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors Light, which one are you choosing? Oh man. <sighs> okay, it's a tail probably game. Miller Light. And you've got Bud Light, Miller Light, Coors probably Light. Probably Miller. Probably Miller Light. Me too. I've always li- I've always thought Miller Lite was okay. Yeah. And I don't know why, but I've I've always felt it like it had hop, a little man. different flavor. That's probably what it is. I can't it's I can't probably... deal with that cold filtered shit. I, I want triple hop. <laughs> my dad my dad's like uh my my dad is is the pretty classic light beer drinker, um, where he's like the colder the better because he doesn't actually want to taste it. Oh yeah. <laughs> you know? Those beers are made for that. I know. He's like he pulls out his Coors Light. The mountain is blue. I can drink it now. Oh yeah, <laughs> that was some genius. It's cold marketing. enough. That way, I won't that have was, to taste. That was some genius marketing. It was though. It really was. They, you know, I mean, there's a reason why all these all these uh, ad companies make all the money they make. Man, they're they're not idiots. They're smart. They yeah. they know how to they know how to do a thing, man. <laughs> I can't remember the next one is like there's like now with, with ours is made with alcohol, like just like something that's obvious. Right. Like, wait, are the other ones not? Yeah, <laughs> we have alcohol. All right, so um, uh, I was trying to uh think of I don't I don't have a lot of good stories about my kids this week. Uh, my kid, Your but kid? I do. We do have two extra dogs in the house because uh amanda's parents who went with us to australia you know in their retired life 
um, just went with Australia, just got back in December. We're already itching to to get out of here or in Costa Rica now. So um, that's the life I want to live. Uh, yeah, no but, kidding. Uh, but so we have their dogs, um, which like is fine. They're all little dogs, but they like when they just all want to sleep on the bed. It's like, oh my god! And then one of the dogs is getting up there in age, and he's having some tough time walking around. And the first night he's up, I'm I had a cold and I'm just like having trouble sleeping. He's like trying to like cuddle up on like all up in my face, and I'm and he's got this terrible breath, and I'm just like, ugh. And so eventually, he gets out of bed and he tries to walk down our stairs, but his like old ass legs couldn't do it and we just hear him tumble and he like bangs against the uh the like baby gate we have up at the bottom of the stairs we don't have one at the top yet because the baby doesn't mostly just goes in her crib on the top, upstairs so but so uh we kinda, i felt horrible <laughs> like is this dude like he doesn't even yelp or anything like he's just he's just an old dog he's like i don't know i don't know what's going on and uh, he's been, like, growling at B randomly, and then he'll go and sit on her, like, cuddle with her, like, the next second. So B's just all confused. Like, she's 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 had great relationship with dogs so far. She loves dogs. But this dog is just throwing her off. And, like, he just, earlier today, I was, I think I was on a work call or something. But I come out, and uh, I, heard, I heard her start crying, and, and Amanda's like, oh, from like across the room she looked at this dog wrong and he growled he just like was kind of sleeping but opened his eyes and looked at her and growled from like 20 feet away and she started crying so he's got her like trained to just be like in in a couple of days to be like no don't don't fuck with me like i'm old <laughs> Like That's just right. leave me alone. If I want to, if I want to be around you, I'll come up. But otherwise, just just I know you're little and annoying. I see how you pull on the other dog's ears. Just leave me alone. Like it. So it's been interesting adjusting to that. Like we've had to like sleep in separate beds, just to, like split up the dogs because like they're just too annoying to like deal with. Like so, I'm looking forward. I you know I I like the dogs, but uh. I'm looking forward to uh, Amanda's parents coming back and we can send them home. Man, wait till you get a second kid. <laughs> then it's just like, I've got, so right now my two younger kids are fighting about a uh, room situation. My, my middle son, Tristan, is uh, um, dismayed with his younger brother who, who, of course, like his younger brother just adores him, right? Like that's that's the way this works, right? The youngest little brother he looks up to his big brothers, thinks they're great. Well, of course, the, the only way he knows to express his affection is to pester them, right? And so Tristan right. is, right now he is just like transfixed on uh, going to getting get in his own bedroom because right now we share. So we, we live in kind of an older house and, you know, back in the day on the, you know, the house about 50 years old, um, you know, there wasn't really a premium placed on bedrooms. Um, not like modern day houses where you go and it's like, oh, you know, houses, 
you know, 3000 square feet with, you know, five bedrooms or whatever, right. Or four bedrooms and a, and a den or something. Right. Um, so this house is 3,200 square feet, but it's only actually got three bedrooms. Like it's got a, it's got a basement, um, and the basement is finished. Um, but none of those are really bedrooms. Um, yeah. there's like a, like a TV room. Well, you've been here, but there's, you know, for the listeners who haven't, there's like a TV room. There's like another room that's kind of like a, like a hosting room that heads out to the, to the back patio area. Um, um, there's like a bonus room where the kids like kind of hang out and play their video games and everything. And then there's an office and it's a, you know, it's a pretty good sized office, which that could be converted to a bedroom. But I'm like, you know, I'm not really wanting to lose my office. Right. So that one of my kids can have a bedroom. So my youngest and my middle share a bedroom and, and he is just like, Tristan is just like, man, I am so done with sharing a bedroom with my brother. Like he just won't yeah. leave me alone. He won't leave my stuff alone. He crawls into my bed. He blah, blah, blah. And of course, Tristan's nine, right? So, you know, nine, the, the appropriate nine-year-old like gravitas of oh, it's a very serious situation. And Sarah and I, my, my wife, Sarah and I are just looking at each other, just going like, <sighs> like we both had to share with sibling bedrooms with siblings when we were growing up and we lived in houses that were like less than half the size of this house. And it's like, listen, pal, you know, if you want to go someplace and be away from your brother, there's about 18 different places in this house you, you could go. Plus we live on an acre so you can go anywhere you want outside. And it's like, Oh, but he's messing with me in my bedroom. You know, I'm like, bro, you better go talk to somebody else if you're looking for sympathy. So, and I know you didn't grow up in a very big house either. So it's like, (laughs) you know, it's like kids these days, man, they are spoiled rotten. Yeah, dude, I swear they're all the worst. They're going to ruin this country. Yeah. And it won't be our fault. No, we will have raised them right. And it'll be, I don't know, man, the kids these days. There's so nothing spoiled. you can do. There's nothing no. you can do. No. All right. Well, that that that's that seems like a good place to stop. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, if you uh, like, I said at the start, uh, if you like what you're listening, uh, whatever you're listening on, give us five stars. Um, subscribe. Uh, keep listening, man. Tell your friends. Uh, tell them we don't care. And then, yeah, then maybe they'll they'll listen. No, but yeah, it, um, appreciate y'all that are listening. Uh, we'll keep putting this out here. It's pretty easy for us, so we don't really care. We don't you care. Think, nope, I don't care. But thanks for li- thanks for uh, listening. Yeah, we do have egos. Yeah, it's more fun when people listen. It is. It is. Um, yep. Yeah. And once again, thanks, Mom, for listening. Uh, <laughs> probably probably has like a hundred Stitcher accounts or something, and and is uh, juicing the numbers. But um, yeah, so uh, thanks again. Um, we will be back next week uh, talking about all your favorite uh, things like WSC basketball and uh, maybe even beer. You know, I think we'll probably keep doing that. Um, yeah. So uh, uh, have fun watching those Cougs this weekend. That's right. Go Cougs. Over under 50. I'm taking the over. All right. Hey, I said 47. (laughs) Yeah, well, okay. (laughs) All right. All right. Bye. Goodbye, everybody.